to another week of It's Just My Thoughts, and I'm your host, Mika Reeves. And today, uh, I have a pretty good show put together for you today. Um, May is Mental Health Month, so this month I plan on um, really speaking about a lot of different concepts in regards to various mental health topics. So every week, um, my thought of the week is going to be pretty mental health focused. So I'm actually looking forward to doing some of those episodes Um, and I'm looking forward to today. Um, so what have I been doing? Um, this week, this past week, uh, I did my first, uh, Instagram live with Taylor and we did a wellness Wednesday. That was pretty cool. Um, this week coming up, uh, at 7 PM Eastern standard time, we're going live on Instagram as well, where we discuss, um, some coping skills. We discuss, uh, um, just things that people can do if they're alone during isolation, um, and so we're going to kind of go over that. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. We usually end, finish on some TV talk and all that. Um, just kind of keep it light, interact with you guys. But, uh, it was really cool last week to get it started. I'm looking forward to it this week. So definitely, um, if you're free on Wednesday at 7 PM Eastern Standard time, jump on there, interact with us. And, um, maybe you can learn something as well from the conversation. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Um, that's about it. Uh, I took a few days off work this week, um, for some mental health days. And I kind of did a lot of stuff, um, that I've been trying to get done, um, that I was, that I've been working on. Um, I have a lot of cool things coming up, um, as far as, um, for my podcast and some other stuff that I'm going to announce probably in the next um, three weeks, probably, um, that I think is going to be pretty cool, um, enhancement to the podcast. Um, so that's about it. I mean, I've been pretty busy. I've been trying to keep busy and, uh, and also, um, just try to remain as positive as possible. You know, I've been doing my running and reading and a lot of self-care stuff. Um, really focus on that, uh, while we're going through this crazy time and still being in the house. So, um, let's just go into motivational Monday. So for motivational Monday today, um, I actually have a tweet from inspirational quotes and it's five simple rules of happiness. One, give more. Two, don't worry. Three, don't hate. Four, live simply. Five, expect less. When I saw that, I really liked that. So I wanted to share that with you for um, Motivational Monday. So let's just move forward to some black excellence. All right. So Michelle Obama announced that she's releasing Becoming this week on May 6th on Netflix. Um, As you know, Becoming has sold over 10 million copies. Me, myself, personally, I have bought, I bought Becoming six times. I bought one for myself, one for my sister, one for my mom, one for my friend. And because I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to mess up my book and I wanted to keep it pristine. I didn't want to read my physical copy. So I ended up buying the digital copy to read the book. Um, and a lot of people said they struggle with the read because at the beginning she's really wordy and she really goes in depth with her childhood. But I, I personally loved it, you know, um, it got, I mean, I sped through it when she got to the part that she met Obama, but, um, I mean, I'm sorry, met Barack, but, um, I loved it. I loved the whole book. So, uh, that's definitely one of my favorites and, um, it was one of my favorite reads of the year. And so I look forward to seeing the, um, the documentary It's basically going to just be showcasing, I think her traveling around and the people that she met, um, all when it comes to everything becoming with the tour and the book and all that. So I'm definitely tuning in May 6th. So I wanted to give, uh, former first lady, Michelle Obama, my black excellence today. 
All right, so I don't have many hot topics today. Um, I more so want to focus more on um, the thought of the week, but I do have a few quick topics to talk about. So I was really excited. If you know me, you know my love for Jill Scott. I have seen Jill Scott almost 10 times in concert so far. Um, and that's saying a lot because I've had to travel to see her. Um, and every time she comes into my city, I always make sure I see her. I actually, we were planning to see her when she came, um, when she came during her, who is Jill Scott tour that was going on right now It's canceled now, but it was going on right now. And we were actually going to see her again when she celebrated, um, her, uh, anniversary tour. So I was looking forward to that, but, uh, either way. She announced this week, well, they announced this week that Joe Scott and Erica Badu is going to be the next Versus match on May 9th. Um, that shit is going to be dope as fuck. I can't wait um, to watch it. Um, that's definitely going to be my Saturday and what I'm doing. Um, now, I'm a little biased because I love Joe Scott. I'm a huge Joe Scott fan. She's one of my favorite artists. But um, I think Joe Scott will kill Erica Badu. I mean, I think that Erica has some hits too. But Jill Scott got collections, if you ask me. I mean, Jill could, Jill really could sing her whole first CD. And then, you know, uh, the second CD, third CD got bangers. So I think collectively, um, she, she kills Erica Badu, in my opinion. Um, but they're both eclectic and they're both cool and they're inner friends. So it should be fun. It should be um, all in, in good spirit. So I can't wait to watch that. Uh, so this week, um, another thing that was major, um, let me also just pull up the article here to make sure I have it all together here. But, um, so we saw the Savage remix and that like went crazy on Twitter. Beyonce was literally trending twice, um, with the Beyonce and the Beyonce Agu E on it. So, um, that was kind of crazy. I've never seen somebody trend twice for their, for their name twice, but basically, um, her and Megan Thee Stallion, they teamed up. Savage was already making a signing song. Beyonce jumped in and did the remix. And basically all the proceeds went to um, Bread for Life. And it's a local Houston charity that aims to end homelessness and improve the quality of life of those in need. So that was pretty cool. And also um, they are due to them doing this. They're going to um, they're going to get their own day in Houston. So um, I thought that was really cool. And I think it's cool too when um, like to put out, you know, music that's going to make people go crazy. And then on top of that, to just give all the proceeds to, um, you know, some, something for a good cause, just based on just, um, you being an artist. So, um, I thought that was really cool. I already like Savage, so I was fine with the remix. Um, anything Beyonce touch is going to be liquid gold anyway. So I don't really think it, you know, uh, really matters, but it was a good needed surprise for everybody. I think. All right, so I want to finish with one thing that I came across, and I have the article here somewhere. I thought I had to pull it up. So I was reading the other day, and I think this was on Red Table Talk, and I haven't watched the episode yet, or maybe it's coming up to be watched. I'm not really sure. No, it was on. It was already on there. Um, it was on last week's Red Table Talk. I haven't watched it yet. I need to. So Jada Pinkett Smith, she talks about how quarantine is testing her marriage. And I want to talk about this because this kind of trickles into what I'm talking about today. And so, um, what I loved about this is, and I actually do like red table talk. Um, mine is Willow. Willow don't have to be on there for me, but I, I enjoy it. And what I enjoy about it is the honesty of it. So basically I'm going to read a little insert. 
Um, and Jada says, I got to be honest. I think one of the things that I've realized is that I don't know Will at all. The actress explained that sometimes people who are married for a long time hold on to old ideas of who they think their partner is. I feel like there's a layer that you get to life gets busy and you create these stories in your head and then you hold on to hold on to these stories and that's the idea of your partner and that is not who your partner is she said jada says she's using this time to get to know the real will smith i'm going through the process of having to dissolve all of those stories and the and all the ideas of will she said adding this is intimacy just being able to get to who our loved ones are beyond that which we have perceived i thought this was really cool and something very honest to say because a lot of times you know people especially when you see celebrity couples, like you only just feel like you only see the good or you only see what, um, they want to show, but everybody have these levels of, um, you know, some kind of struggle. And it's not even a matter of fact, uh, a statement of her saying like, she's struggling with this. It's more so like she recognized that there were some things that had some imperfections that maybe she need to dive into or kind of work on a little bit as far as like their relationship. And so instead of, you know, being negative or being like, you know, what the fuck instead, like she's spending the time, you know, growing to learn her partner. And, um, I thought that was really cool because what, where we mess up in relationships is that we don't, uh, well, sometimes with some people is that as you grow, um, you're going to change and you can't just fall in love with that person that you first met because that person in 10 years is going to be completely different probably from that person that you initially fell in love with. So the way I kind of look at relationships, is like, you know, this is the person that you have, but then there's going to be a moment where you're going to, you're going to have to relearn and get to know the new person and then follow that person all over again. And these are things that constantly happen throughout the relationship, you know, because a relationship to me is ebb and flows, you know, you have, you know, good moments, bad moments, but ultimately, you know, we all are going to grow as people. And so you have to figure out um, how, well, what that looks like for you and how you're going to also um, change as well with your, um, with your partner. And that could be just the level of what you think about them. So um, those are things that you just kind of learn. And I think it's things that people learn just in, in time. But I think it was really cool just for her to have that conversation and um, be honest about it. And that's one thing that I love about Jada Pickett Smith is that she is probably one of the most honest celebrities to actually just say, nah, like, you know, this, this was not going to go down or I needed to do this better, or this is where we are. I mean, she's dating one of the, the, you know, biggest actors of all time, probably um, in Will Smith. And a lot of times people, I feel like they probably wouldn't want to be as transparent because a lot of times people view things as like a negative if you're, you know, a little, um, transparent in regards to how you feel, but honesty is always cool and it's always good. And it's always good to have that self-reflection in regards to you and your relationship. So when I saw that, I thought that was pretty cool. I still need to watch the episode, but, um, I wanted to at least talk about that today. So, all right. So let's go into the, uh, the thought of the week. Um, so I'm going to name this episode, the case of the X, because I'm going to literally sit and break down one of my relationships that I was in, but I'm going to break it down from a standpoint of not necessarily, um, them as a person, but I'm going to break it down from the standpoint of me, myself as a person, um, my personal struggles and things that I learned through therapy. And I'm going to also introduce a few, uh, concepts to really kind of break down 
what I had to break down as far as myself to actually be, um, you know, not even just, um, better in relationships, uh, as far as like my personal relationships, but also better in my relationships, um, with my family, um, and friends. And so, uh, so let's get into it. All right. So as you know, I have been watching Insecure. I love that show. Um, and just to give a little backstory for people that don't watch it, there's this, there's these two people, Eza and Lawrence, and basically, um, Eza makes a statement that, well, basically her and Lawrence dated five years and Lawrence is pretty tragic in the last couple of years of relationship. She ended up cheating on him. He breaks up with her and then he ends up getting this shit together. He moves on and finds a new girl. So basically she is seeing him interact with his new girlfriend, but yet when they were together, he, um, he didn't do any of those things for her. And so, you know, she kind of has a bitterness towards it. All right. So when I was looking at that, it made me think about, um, myself and how, like, I know what it feels like to date somebody and then you get this experience and then you see them move on and give somebody, you know, a different experience because I've experienced it, you know, with, with my ex. Um, and so I'm going to break it down everything. And, uh, all right. So, um, this is the relationship I had like in my twenties. Now, um, there was an age gap as well. And so, um, when I met them, I was 24 and they were, yeah, I think I was 23 and they were 20, maybe something like that. Um, there was a little age gap. I think it was four, four or five years apart. So maybe I was 24, 25 and they were 21, 22 around there. Um, and so here's the thing. First thing, this was a situation where, you know, I think that the relationship went on longer than it should have, uh, which is partly my fault. Um, and well, it's, I mean, it is my fault because it shouldn't have, we shouldn't have dated as long as we did. We dated five years and we were engaged for a few years in there. And, um, and it was honestly, when you look back on it, it was an absolute, um, you know, train wreck, you know, from the get go, because, I think the one thing that I did first that was wrong is that you should never fall in love with the potential of a person. And I had to learn that. Like now I look at love for what it is. Like if I, like I want to get to know the person and I want to know everything about you. And if this is what you are, then this is what it is. Now I feel like we all can grow because we're all going to grow and change as far as like, you know, if I can make you better in certain things or I can, you know, maybe make you see, enlighten you and see something a little different. But in my opinion, for the most part, I think who you are is going to be who you are. And I think that if like for me in this instance, um, they didn't drive, which, you know, was, uh, tragic. Um, and didn't drive for a long time till they were about 25. Um, and that was something that I bitched about. I didn't like that, um, and this might sound small, but it's not, I didn't like that they didn't, they didn't go to the doctor, nor did they drink water, and I just didn't understand that, and then also, you know, I didn't like that they didn't really have a care for education, which education is very important to me. Now, me saying all these things from the get-go, the question that you have to ask yourself, then why did you date this person, right? I went into a relationship thinking, um, these are things that I can help them with, you know, and if I do all of this stuff for them, then in turn, like I'm going to basically help fix them. 
And that was something that is my fault because I should have never dated the person to begin with because these are things that were important to me and almost like, you know, not necessarily deal breakers, but it was like, I'm not going to bend on education and things like that because I wanted to be with somebody that was working on, you know, trying to, you know, like I kept giving an excuse of they're young, they're young, they're young. And so I was like, well, you know, if I did all these things to try to help them, then as they get older, you know, they'll kind of start getting on the good foot with what they have going on. That's what I thought. And so, um, so then later, you know, obviously, you know, after, um, I pushed and pushed and pushed, you know, um, they ended up driving, they ended up, you know, doing all these things. And finally, when they started, uh, kind of getting their shit together, you know, then they no longer wanted to be in a relationship. And so, but in theory though, the relationship should have ended a long time ago because I truly think that they were never going to be the person that they probably needed to be or wanted to be with me because I kept trying to be the person to fix them and keep, you know, like almost being like a parent when when in turn, like, I don't think I was really helping the person. I think I was more so, even though like what I was saying obviously made sense, but I still feel like I was, you know, because I was helping and giving money and taking care of the person, I was more so enabling them to still continue to kind of do nothing with themselves. And so, um, so it was a hard pill to swallow when like we break up and now like, you know, they're actually working a good job. They move on to somebody else. Now they drive. And so that person is reaping kind of like, you know, in theory, all the benefits that I so, so deeply wanted them to be doing, you know, while we were together. Um, but when I look back on it and when I started kind of like, you know, started therapy and, um, one of the reasons why I went into therapy was, you know, years later, like I'm in a new relationship and I've started doing not necessarily the same things because, um, the person that I'm with, you know, have their, you know, shit together, you know, when it comes to a professional level and things like that. But I found myself like starting to do small things that like, you know, they didn't necessarily ask me to do. They, they didn't necessarily, um, they might've needed it, but they didn't ask me to do it. And they didn't ask me to make sacrifices that I was doing. I was just doing it. And then over time, like I started to grow resentment towards my, my present partner right now. And so how I got into therapy was that we went to, um, we went to couple therapy and then from couple therapy, just hearing myself talk out loud to the therapist, I realized that I needed to go to individual therapy and start breaking down. Like, why do I keep doing the things that I'm doing in relationships? Why am I um, making the same mistakes? And like, why do my, my, why is my brain going to these things? You know, because it's not necessarily like, was it a hard pill to swallow? Like seeing my ex, like be better and move on. No, it wasn't like, I actually looking back on it now in present day, like I'm thankful that, you know, that relationship ended and like, I didn't get married to that person. And like, I didn't do all those things because we, I don't think that the really, I think the relationship should have ended a long time ago, but in my present relationship, like I had a strong desire to make it work, but I knew that it wasn't just them. Like it was me too. And so, um, when I first started therapy, yeah, I probably was quick to blame everything on them probably. Um, and that's where I had to kind of figure out. So when I first started individual therapy, I think I went like a few times and 
she listened to me talk and she's like, you know, she's probably like, okay, you know. So then she told me that she wanted me to go home and look up the Cartman drama triangle. So, um, so the, so, so when I went home and looked it up, um, I'm going to read it to you and kind of try to make sense of it. So you have three parts of it. And if you want to look it up too, you can, it's K A R P M A N. And so you have the rescuer. So the rescuer basically soothes the victim. Rescuer needs to feel important. Classic enabling behavior maintains victim status. Rescuing takes attention off rescuer's own issues. Main motivation is to avoid confronting own issues, problems. Rescues are too good to be true. And that was me. Um, very much so, you know. And I think I've pretty much have been every every role in the triangle. But the rescuer was definitely something that, like, I have been doing in, like, every realm. You know, my family, like, when people need money, I give money. They need me to pay bills, I pay bills. They need, they need me to do all these things. Like, you know, I was doing all of these things. But I wasn't happy doing that shit, though but I'm still doing it. And, and why am I doing this? You know, that's, that's really the question. All right. And so then it goes to, um, persecutor, critical, controlling, blaming, oppressive, angry, authoritarian, enforcing rules is superior, keeps victims oppressed through threats and bullying. Persecutor role usually presents when the building resentment at rescuing being unappreciated or finding victimhood too oppressive. Okay. So, with this one, like I didn't think I, I didn't do any, like any threats or bullying, but I realized that when I'm in, when I'm in that role, it's when, um, I have a high level of resentment, you know, where I feel completely burnt out and I resent the, you know, the situation. So in my relationship, like, yeah, like even the one present day, like we had a moment where, um, I had a high level of resentment towards them, you know? where we really just did not get along for a good, um, probably year and a half where, um, we really did not like each other. We loved each other, but I don't think that we really liked each other. And that was mainly due to the fact that things needed to change as far as like what we were doing in general and what, and, and not just like, you know, with them, like what I was doing, because I'm sitting here stressing myself out and like, you know, like I'm do all this stuff and what do you do? But they never asked me to do all that stuff. And so while I'm sitting here thinking that if I do all of these things, they're going to do all these things for me. But the person never asked me to do that, any of the stuff that I was doing, but yet I have this resentment towards them. And so that would lead to, you know, maybe me saying something that was mean or raising my voice or doing things that is hurtful. And then with that, like, you know, that's not going to do anything to help your relationship because what I've learned through all of this is that words is things that you can't take back. And even when you're upset. So like, you know, for me, like I like now present day, like I think, um, a lot about what I'm going to say before I say it, because I do realize that just because you say something and you apologize, you still said it. And these are things that are going to just sit with a person, you know, especially if, their love language is words of affirmation, which my partner, that is their love language. So I could say some shit that, and with like, she could say something to me and I'm like, all right, whatever. But I could say something, you know, to her and it could be something that's going to sit with her for months, maybe a lot longer than it would have sat with me. So I've had to really learn how to be more mindful in the way that I talk and communicate. But at the time, like while I was inside of this triangle, 
Um, you know, that's, that's where, you know, I was. So then, um, the next, um, the next point of the triangle is the victim. So you're like, poor little me, the victim feels powerless, hopeless, helpless, and ashamed. Poor problem solving, decision-making skills, cannot find pleasure in life. Poor insight, feels like a persecutor magnet, hopes for a rescuer to save everything, but change nothing. So that's usually kind of how the triangle kind of go. Um, and so when my therapist told me about this triangle and she told me to go home and look at it, right. Um, I really studied this and I really took it serious because when I started reading it, I started being like, Oh, like I did this in my previous relationship. And that's why like, you know, when I was watching insecure and like that situation, like, I'm not trying to say that Lawrence was right for like, kind of like basically being a bum with Isa, but Isa was enabling his behavior because she was allowing him to do it. The way I look at it, you know, even with this triangle, I feel like if you like for, like for me, right. When I stopped kind of like being in this triangle and sometimes I still do it sometimes, but when I kind of like try to work on it, basically I tell myself, you know, I kind of talk to myself like, you know, if you don't want to do something, then don't do it. If you are doing something, then you're doing it from the kindness of your heart. And that's it. No expectations after. Cause if you're doing it, you're doing it. Don't bitch after if the result that you get is not your unexpected expectations, because I did that a lot, like where I'm doing all this shit thinking they're going to do this, but who, you know, who told them to do it? You know what I'm saying? So you got to be realistic. So now like what I try to do is if I do something for somebody, that's it. I did it and I have no expectation for you to do anything in return. So then, um, you know, I try to not have resentment and the way to avoid that is that I try to avoid doing things I don't want to do. And I try to, you know, communicate like how I'm feeling before it gets to a point of that I'm feeling resentment. Like I try to nip it in the bud now. So when I think about my ex, like, you know, and just knowing that I wasn't great in a relationship either, you know what I'm saying? Like it kind of took the bite off feeling like, oh, they're doing all this thing with somebody else. Like I, I hope that they, you know, have, uh, you know, lots of happiness, right? The reality was, you know, yeah. In retrospect, you know, when I say and say, yeah, I had a similar situation, but when you sit and think about it, like, I personally feel like, um, you know, to be honest that the relationship really shouldn't have take, taken place, even though I learned a lot from it, but they were never somebody that I probably would have ended up being with because they really didn't have the qualities that I really wanted as a partner. And instead of me trying to change a person, I, I was trying to change them and mold them into what I wanted because, you know, I loved them as a person you know, I thought they were a good person, but they wasn't the person for me to date. And so I think that's where we have to get out of, like, stop trying to change people to make them into what your idea of a person is, because it's only so much you're going to change a person. A person is kind of who they are, you know, to a certain degree. And so that's pretty much where I went wrong from that. And so when I look on it, I'm like, that's why I always tell people like, you should be mindful, like with backtracking and going back to people and things like that, because maybe the person was there for that moment. Maybe it was for you to maybe learn something about yourself or kind of bring something to your awareness. But I don't think it's always something good to backtrack to or feel like, oh my God, they're doing this now. Good for them. Maybe at this point in their life, they've grown up. 
And that's how I kind of feel about my ex. Like, I hope that they've, they are, they've grown up and that, uh, you know, with the person that they're with, that they give them a better experience, you know, but it, we also were young. And so I don't really hold some things against them. Like I don't have a problem with them at all in present day. Um, so going back to some of these concepts. So when I started also diving into myself and we just went over the Cartman drama triangle and how I realized that I really was on that and how I realized I was pretty much doing that and not just my personal like love relationships. I was doing that with my family. Um, and I did that probably with friends too, like where, you know, I just became really drained of people. But a lot of me being like drained of people and things like that was more self-inflicted because nobody asked me to rescue them. And I, I'm not in a place to rescue anybody, you know. Um, I think when it comes to myself, like, I guess the reason why I used to think the way that I thought was because I thought that if 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 I can bet on anybody in life, I know I can bet on myself. Like, I know that I work hard. I know that, you know, what you're going to, what I'm going to give every time I do anything or say, or like put my mind on anything, like I know I'm going to do it and I know I'm going to be successful doing it. And so I know I can always bet on myself. And so sometimes, you know, instead of, um, maybe loving myself more than way, I, the way I should, I more so would be like, well, I know that I'm going to be good or I'm okay with getting less. Let me just try to help this person. You know, like sometimes I would literally, get paid and give like somebody in my family like money for something. And literally like now that took away from, you know what I'm saying? What I had going on or I had to sacrifice on my end for something I want to do for myself. So why the fuck am I sacrificing what I want to do for myself? And I don't worked hard for my shit to give it to somebody else. And then now like, you know, I'm feeling away when, you know, they either keep asking me for it and everything else, but I'm doing, I'm doing the enabling behavior because I'm giving them the fucking money. You know what I'm saying? So it just didn't make sense the shit I was doing. And that's stuff like I had to learn through therapy. You know, like, why am I doing this? And another um, thing too, um, one of my last things I want to go over, and I'm not sure if if anyone listening to this, like, you know, um, did have parents that were uh, alcoholics. Um, I my, my father was an alcoholic. And so, um, you know, I have firsthand experience with that. And so, um, one of the other things, and I talked about this on a previous episode, um, my therapist, uh, told me to go home and look up traits of, um, children, um, from alcoholics. And so, um, I'm gonna go over some of these and I'm just going to point out some of the things that literally when I read this, um, when I looked this up as, um, for myself, um, I was actually kind of shocked because, um, a lot of this is me and a lot of this kind of makes up why I do some of the things I do. And it helped me kind of start breaking down and unlearning some behaviors that I have that I didn't realize that I had and why I had it. So let me just tell you some of the characteristics that I found here. So one, they are more concerned with others than themselves. When growing up in an alcoholic household, children are often forced to take on parental roles. They are given more responsibilities than other kids their age. They may have to look after younger siblings and even care for their parents. This role reversal can carry into adult life and adult children will often put the needs of everyone else before their own. That was very much me. So they exhibit black and white thinking. All of nothing thinking is common in this group of adult children. 
They think in extremes and have difficulty seeing the gray area in between. This thinking pattern stems from constantly being in a state of fight or flight, common in alcoholic home where tension is high. Um, I'm actually still like that, uh, where um, I try to see the, the gray, you know, because in my mind, like, I'm very much black and white. Like, even when, you know, like, I talk to my kid, like, about school, like, I'm like, if you don't study, you don't work hard, you don't put effort into it, you're going to fail. So if you made a C on a test and you didn't study and you didn't do anything to prepare, then that's the grade that you got. There's no in between. Um, and that's just an example. Of, but I mean, really, that's an example of how I kind of view a lot of stuff. Like, I feel like what you put in things is what you're going to get out of it. Um, and so a lot of times um, it can be hard for me to. Um, well, it could be. I've worked on this to see where other people are coming from. So a lot of times I use therapy to kind of see like, okay, am I tripping? Am I being crazy? Or am I, you know, thinking about this too matter of factly, or, you know, like, is my thinking wrong? You know, um, uh, they judge themselves harshly when things go wrong in the family as children, they often blame themselves for their parents' behavior as adults. They may continue harshly criticizing themselves for every little mistake. And when things do go right, it is quickly dismissed as luck. Um, I don't necessarily do some of the things in here, but for me, like I, um, I do judge myself harshly. I'm probably, I always say this, I'm like my biggest critic. Um, and so it was just interesting when, you know, um, I was reading some of these things, um, and just seeing, uh, you know, um, some of these, uh, some of, some of this stuff on here, because a lot of these are me. Um, some of the other ones, um, they love those who need rescuing. Um, he suggests, uh, adult children, alcoholics often become alcoholics later on, marry an alcoholic or possibly become, both become and marry an alcoholic. It is not uncommon for adult children to find themselves in relationships with people who need rescuing are compulsive or suffer from addiction. Um, and so, you know, with me, when I read that, I definitely, um, was like, wow, because, um, that was one of the big things that I've done in all of my relationships. I've been with somebody that, um, pretty much needs something, um, some kind of level of rescuing in some kind of way. And, um, and, uh, the other, and one of the other ones was that they are extremely loyal. Um, so, you know, it's like, basically you can stay in unhealthy relationships, uh, even though, you know, the relationship is not necessarily good for you because you're loyal. And so, um, I thought this was really cool when I looked it up and it was really, um, probably the most, uh, eye opening experience that I had when I first looked that up as far as children that come from alcoholics, because, a lot of those traits on there and the ones that I, I chose, it was a lot more traits. I chose the ones that um, truly reflected myself. And so when I looked at that and then I started thinking about um, myself and the things that I do and the roles that I take on in relationships, I'm very much, you know, um, have those uh, characteristics. And so now, um, you know, in my present relationship, like I'm taking these tools that I'm learning from therapy and I'm basically trying to figure out like, um, and we work together with it, like, you know, how I can unlearn the behavior, which that's what I'm doing right now and breaking through some of the things that I'm doing, no longer doing shit that I don't want to do, trying to, you know, be this person for the other person. Like I do a lot of self-care things 
in order to try to make myself happy. And I really try to focus on a lot of things as far as self. Like when you're in a relationship, you have to think about the other person, obviously, but you don't have to put everything as far as you to the side for that person. You know, you still are two individuals and you have to be able to make yourself happy first. And a lot of times I was doing things in hopes that they would make me happy. And it was really unrealistic because how can somebody else, you know, they, yeah, they can give you happiness, but you, but happiness had to start first with you, what you feel inside about yourself. And so today I wanted to kind of, um, you know, break that down and kind of bring up some, uh, some things. If, if you ever feel like you're experiencing something like this, um, you know, look it up and look up the Cartman drama triangle and just see if maybe you fit into that. And you can look up some different concepts as far as like, you know, how you can break through and kind of start unlearning behaviors that might have been learned because we're always in a season to where, um, we're forever evolving, we're forever changing and we can always, you know, work on ourselves. You know, I spend time trying to work on myself all the time. This is a daily, everyday thing, um, you know, where I'm constantly breaking down things that I think or, you know, unlearning some behaviors that, you know, I might have had that I realize is kind of unhealthy and not good to have. And so I'm really just trying to just be, you know, um, the best that I can be. I want to be the best partner I can be and the best daughter I can be and the best sister I could be and all those other things. And what starts first with there, um, with being all those things is that I have to first be good to myself. And so with my personal journey with therapy, um, those are the main things that I've tried to work on first, which is, um, how good I can be to myself first. And then with that, um, how that trickles into everybody else. But, um, that's all I have for the, uh, the thought of the week this week. Um, I definitely want to continue this conversation. Uh, if you want to, you can always just hit me up, you know, where to find me on my social medias. You can find me at, um, on Instagram at it's just my thoughts underscore podcast on Twitter at IJMT podcast. You can always email me as well. IJMT podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget this week, um, Wednesday, 7 PM Eastern standard time, me and Taylor, uh, we are going on Instagram live. We're going to do wellness Wednesday and kind of chat it up about the week. Uh, feel free to pop in. Um, I thank you so much for listening today. As always, it's Mika here and I appreciate you.